morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock. And I'll be your host every Wednesday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Where my chicken nuggets lovers at, huh? Who here just loves themselves chicken nuggets all day, every day? That's right. I don't know if you heard in the news recently. By recently, I think it's yesterday when it, uh, I mean, it's been popular for now about a month or two. But uh, just yesterday, the most retweeted tweet of all time has taken its place in the world record books. Carter Wilkerson, a fan of Chicken Nuggets, one day, April 5th, decided to do the following. He decided, I'm going to tweet at Wendy's and say, yo, at Wendy's, how many retweets for a year of free Chicken Nuggets? Now, anyone that knows Twitter knows that these restaurants, these big-time companies, these um, whatever it is, these companies don't usually respond to their Twitter followers, these social media accounts of, of sports teams, etc., because there's so many people tweeting at them. They're, they're, it's just impossible to answer everyone, and then if you answer one and not the other, you know, it's usually just not seen as nice or favoritism, whatever it is. It's, just, it's usually worthwhile to just not respond to any of your people tweeting at you. But Wendy's is one of the more playful accounts. They will respond to a lot of their different followers. Uh, there are a lot of social media accounts that decide, you know what, now where 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 a few years ago it might have been seen as safe to not respond. Now it's like, oh, we could we have a chance for posts for things to go viral. As long as we're not stupid, as long as we're not idiots, like we, we could pretty much uh, only this could only be seen as a plus. So Wendy's responded to this guy, Carter Wilkerson, saying, you know, the guy wanted to know how many retweets for a year of Free chicken nuggets, and Wendy's jokefully, jokingly responded, "18 million." Now, anyone that knows Twitter, 18 million is a ton of retweets. The most retweeted tweet of all time before yesterday was the famous tweet of the uh, the selfie by Ellen DeGeneres. I think it was at the was it the Emmys or the Oscars, where so many different famous people were in that photo. That had about 3.4 million retweets at the time. So, 18 million is impossible. I I, I would assume Twitter has 18 million. Uh, Twitter accounts, just because people have many different Twitter accounts and there's so many bots out there, automated things. So I would assume it exists, but to have 18 million retweets is absurd. So Wendy's put it out there. All right, nothing doing. Well, Twitter could sometimes be a funny place, and people retweeted and retweeted and retweeted. It eventually got to a point where it got over 2 million, and Ellen DeGeneres and, and her staff realized, oh, God, this this guy could beat my record. So they actually had him on air. They, they some good shtick. Ellen, Ellen is great in her own mind, and uh, she offered uh, this guy Carter Wilkerson, I think it was um, free Ellen underwear for a year, and then like a fifty-five inch TV. I think it was he declined, and then it became like a battle. Ellen made she she went back on social media trying to get her retweet even her tweet retweeted even more. I think it went from like three point three to three point four and a half over that time. But Carter Wilkerson just yesterday broke the record. Now, it's possible Ellen could retake it. But uh, Carter Wilkerson's retweet, well, what, what it was, he wrote, yo, at Wendy's, how many retweets for a year of free chicken nuggets? They wrote 18 million. Then he screenshotted it and said, help me, please. A man needs his nugs, nugs being nuggets. And anyone familiar with social media, there's a, there's a chicken nuggets is a famous food where people are say, you know, chicken nuggets are bust. Um, where they choose chicken nuggets over their spouse or their boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever it is, 
a sports team, whatever it is, chicken nuggets. Some people do it with pizza. Um, three, oh, nearly three and a half million retweets. Incredible. So Wendy's, though he didn't get to 18 million, I believe Wendy's gave him the, we'll give him at least, nuggets for a year. And what's really nice about it is that Carter Wilkerson himself also uh, will be donating a lot of money to charity. Um, he began a website where he sold a lot of t-shirts supporting his cause. Hashtag Nugs for Carter. And he using he's using this fame to raise money for different charities, one of them being the uh, Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, I'm reading over here, an organization that supports children in foster care. Wendy's has also donated $100,000 to that foundation in Carter's honor for achieving that record. So uh, sometimes social media is good. This is a playful thing. Now a lot of charity being given and just it, it's just great and, and uh, really cool. I mean, I, I've been on Twitter for really early on. I want to say 2010 I was on. So I've seen how Twitter has grown, and Twitter can be a bad place, unfortunately. A lot of punks out there, a lot of people that think it's easy to just type in front of a keyboard when they don't have to, you know, they're saying mean things to people. Yeah, it's easy to type in front of a keyboard, but none of these people are going to man up. Uh, Twitter could be a dark place, but this is one of those times where it's just amazing to see. Anyway, I I brought that up. Why? Because I thought that was cool. Really, that's it. But uh, it, it reminds me of, a, of, an, of another social media story. Uh, where the Houston Rockets Twitter account was playing, the, the Rockets were playing the Dallas Mavericks, and again, sports teams tend to play it safe, but the Rockets Twitter account was always one of the more creative ones, and they tweeted, the Rockets were, were up 3, I think 3-1 in the series, and they were beating the Mavericks pretty good in Game 5 in the fourth quarter late, like they knew they were going to win, and, the, and they tweeted two emojis, emojis were becoming popular at the time, a gun emoji and a horse emoji, a horse is a Maverick, the Dallas Mavericks, that's the team they were playing, Ton of retweets, everyone, a lot of people loved it, but then this, this, uh, people of PETA and people that support animal rights really found it offensive. And because apparently everything could be offensive in the world these days, um, the Rockets told them to take it, they took it down, they apologized. And unfortunately, that guy got fired. This guy's name was Chad Shanks, who now holds some big time social media position at a different company. But, uh, that's just one of the things where, where, where social media, he's trying to be playful, trying to be funny, and he was, and people took it overboard. And unfortunately, he lost his job for that, which he certainly should not have. Um, but that's not my decision. So uh, anyway, that this this other story reminded me of that. So uh, here we are, bite size, right? Let's get back to our regular programming here. This week we have we have two two uh, two interviews. One of them is is actually really a cool interview by Tova Knach. She interviews her husband's grandparents. So her, I guess it's her grandparents-in-law. I guess that is the right way to formulate it. And uh, they are the uh, Bubba and Zeta. Kurtzfeld, I believe, is how you pronounce it. Uh, both of them were Holocaust survivors. They have a really fantastic story. Uh, so we're going to share that at about 9.30 a.m. or so. And then later on at about 10.15, Joanna Shepson joins the program. She interviews Simone Katz, the chief marketing officer of Jerusalem U, and she'll give us a nice update with what's going on there. But we have plenty coming up on Bite Size. And by the way, I know everyone looks forward to the softball update, my, my Central League softball update this week. This past week, so Sunday, it rained, by the way, Friday, and we, we, we saw the weather reports where it's going to rain Shabbos, so we're like, shoot, game's not going to get in. But Shabbos, it did not rain at all. 
uh, I think Friday night, maybe a drizzle, but I woke up Shabbos morning where you could see the, the, the streets were a little wet, but like nothing bad. And Shabbos was pretty sunny. And I was like pretty hopeful Sunday morning, 8 a.m. game, like we'd be able to play. No problem. Sunday night, we don't hear anything. Seems like game's on. Sunday morning, we wake up, 6.30 a.m. Minion. Uh, I'm dominating from the Ahmed, and, and my, my teammate looks at me at about 6.45. He goes, the game's canceled. <laughs> Nothing worse than waking up early for on a Sunday, waking up early for Minion and then getting the game canceled. But uh, what was nice is that we still had about seven of us. Some of the team wanted to go back to bed. All right. Not my cup of tea. Once I'm up, I'm up. But some of them went back to bed. I try to get the rest of my teammates and we found six others so seven of us went down to a different field in washington heights batted around fielded we, we got better as a team which was important but that's my softball update so we didn't lose we didn't get mercyed we didn't lose and uh we'll probably <laughs> they tell us 8 a.m again next week we're playing i it's supposed to rain i think over shabbos we'll see but not holding my hopes up i think last year my friend told me he was in this league and they played maybe five sundays Central Park just comes up with excuses not to play. Whatever. Pay a lot of money not to play softball. All right. But anyway, you didn't come here for the softball update. You came here for music and for interviews, so we're going to go with music. I can't play Ma'apechal Simcha. I couldn't find a acapella version, and I want to keep this acapella at least for one more week here, right before Lag Bomer. By the way, my beard is in phenomenal shape, if you were wondering. I haven't gotten a haircut in since right before Pesach, and this is the longest I haven't had a haircut since, I want to say, Sukkot. I usually... Go every two weeks, give myself a haircut. I'm very anti giving someone $20 to just give myself a number two on the sides because I could do that myself. And then my roommate kind of cleans up the back a bit. But every two weeks, I give myself a haircut. Except, that's not true, two two times I didn't. Right before Pesach, when I was home, I let them you know cut it up nicely. And then right before my TV appearance in LA, I was like, eh, LA, maybe they could give me a nice haircut. It was pretty much the same that I did, but... Um, otherwise every two weeks I give myself a fresh haircut and now my hair is super long. At least it feels like to me. And the truth is I like my hair really short and I like my hair long. So there's always that. I mean, I guess when I give myself my haircut, I'll be like, Oh, I'm going from very long, which is nice to very short, which is nice. So I'll be fine. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too excited to, uh, well, I'm excited to get rid of this beard, but we'll see. Anyway, no shall simcha. So we're going to start things off with the X medley by Keep Alive. Thank you for tuning into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. shalom, 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 Fly. He believes he can fly. Ooh, I believe I can touch the he sky. He touch I the think sky. about it every night, every and, day. night and day. I spread my wings and fly, fly away. away. Oh, 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 oh. Let's go. Tears I drown, but I never 
השם ימנוך לעולם ועד. השם מלך, השם מלך, השם ימנוך לעולם ועד. השם מלך, השם מלך, השם Hashem Melech by the Y Studs. Again, one of my go-tos during Spirit Time and really all year round, but especially now, limited music. It's an easy, easy, good listen. Thank you for tuning into Bite Size here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And as I said, it's bottom of the hour, so that means it's time for Tova Knach's interview with her husband's grandparents, Bubba and Zaida Kurtzfeld. I hope I'm pronouncing both Bubba and Zaida and then Kurtzfeld correctly. Uh, they are two Holocaust survivors with an excellent story. I don't want to take away from it. So here's Tova with her husband's grandparents right here on Bite Size on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. To all my listeners, I wanted to share a very special interview with you. Until now, I've interviewed Olam that moved to Israel and our wonderful contributors to Israeli society. But I'd be remiss if I didn't introduce you to two people that are very near to my heart. Two people that made Israel their home after the worst life experiences anyone can ever think of. A few weeks ago, we memorialized the Holocaust victims on Yom HaShoah. Today, I want you to meet two survivors, my grandparents-in-law, my Baba and Zayda, Rachel and Avram Kurtzfeld. In the first interview, you'll hear from my grandmother-in-law, Baba, and in the second part, you'll hear from Zayda. This interview is going to be like none other I've done so far. So turn the volume up a bit, possibly have your tissues handy, and be ready to be moved by the emotions. With that, let me welcome Baba and Zayda to the show. Thank you very much, my dear granddaughter Tavala. It's a pleasure, but if you're going to forgive me, if I'm going to have a little tears in my, in my speech. Then I think I'm going to have tears in my questions also. Right here. Okay. So we're sitting in your beautiful home in Yerushalayim. It's but, a dream. But Yerushalayim wasn't always your home. Where no. were you born, Baba? I was born in Warsaw, exactly in Ghetto Grzybowska Street, where the ghetto was. And uh, that's where uh, we were lucky to survive when we ran away from. Where, what year were you born in? I was born in 1934. So how old were you when the Holocaust started? Six years old. You were six years old, yes. and you're, you're a child of how many children are, are in your family? When the war broke out, yeah. we were six children, and my mother was in the seventh. When the Germans came into Warsaw, so the first thing what they did is they took the men away. Okay. I don't know, to kill or to run. And my mother was left with six children and then the high months of pregnancy with the seventh. Okay, and, and so how did you... What happened during the Holocaust? So what's happened? I, my, I had a grandmother from my mother's side. My grandmother, she was a very, very smart lady. And she knew something is going to happen that's not going to be a good end. So she said to my mother and my mother that, that um, she should let my father run away first. 
because of the situation, what they did, the Germans. Okay. And then she she's gonna go with the children later because she was in the high months. So my grandmother, when she saw it's getting closer, she had a feeling she was a genius in in her in her memories, and she said that now it's time to go after you after your husband Moshe, my father Moshe, because he's waiting for you on the other side of of the Warsaw. It's by the the name was Malkin. Over there was the the a little a little um, how you say it Gesher, like a bridge. A little bridge that on the other side of the Gesher was the Russian army. Okay. And although the people ran away to the Russian side, and then they took away the people, they sent them all kind of places. So she said, now that um, that my father was uh, ran away and he waits for us there. Yeah. I'm going to make, find somebody, a Polak, she's going to give him more money or something, jewelry, I don't know, and he's going to help you to to bring you to the place where you're going to just cross the little bridge and over there's going to wait our, my father. So just for everyone's uh, <laughs> vision right now, yes. this is a mother with six children, she's yeah. in her late so, in pregnancy with her seventh, yeah, and yeah. she's traveling through the mountains to save her family. Yeah. Okay, so you got to the bridge. So what happened? No, oh, so before then, that? So she found the Polak. Okay. And she gave him the money, what he said, and he brought us to a little barrack. How you say? A little... Uh, like uh, a barrack. A barrack. You know, a yeah. little... Uh, ten, a little ten, uh, from wood. A little say? hut. Like yeah, I made out yeah. of wood, yeah. And he told them to my mother, you see over there the little bridge? But before this, she had... In the, in the lodge, she had my li little brother, oh, and he was born exactly a couple of weeks old. Wow! And she—that's why we waited till she gone. She went to labor, and she had my little brother. And his name is she gave his the name Avram. And then the Polak, when he brought us to this little uh, um, barrack, yeah. he said that you stay here over the night. Okay. And in the morning, you see over there this little bridge. Just cross the bridge. And then you're going to find your husband over there waiting. Fine. Okay. But it looks like he was a Nazi also. Yeah. So in the middle of the night when we were sleeping, knock on the door, who were there? SS. Oh my goodness. They picked us, they said, stand up everybody, you go back to Warsaw. Oh. So my mother with the little, with my little brother, all of us, seven of us children with my mother, we came back to Warsaw at two o'clock at night. After all that, you went back to yeah, the Yeah, 2 o'clock at night, my mother knocked on the door from where my grandmother lived. Yeah. And she, op and she opened the door, she almost fainted. She said, what's happened? Why are you back? Right. So she told the story. Yeah. And she said, okay, you're not staying here. You, um, this, something is happening that you not, we're not going to survive. You have to run away again. Wow. So what she did, Yeah. she found somebody again. Okay. And she gave him also, but she said before we left, mm -hmm. she said to my mother in Yiddish, she said, Tova, remember, never forget to tell the children that they are Jews. Never. Wherever yeah. you're going to be with them. And we left, we kissed again our grandmother, we came to the, again to Malkin, okay. where the this is. Yeah. When we came to Malkin, or then was the separation between one line of Jews and one line of Polacks. Uh. And, this, uh, and the selection was until at night. 
So when my mother came with the seven children, yeah. and she saw this, she had also a little bit smartness like my grandmother. Yeah. And she said, if we're going to go on this side, we're going to get killed. Because you saw right. this election, they, they took away the men, they took away the children, they took away the girls. She put us between the Polacks, between the, on the, on the line of the Polacks. We were standing, we were tired, we were hungry, we were crying. So one Pollock says to the other, and the assessment used to go every time to the line of the Pollocks, they knew, you the house, you the house, that the Jews should go out. Yeah. So one, one Pollock says to the other, look over here, she's, she's Jewish with the children. Yeah. They have to tell the assessment. So the other Pollock, this is only God's, this is only God's. Yeah. He said to her, he said to him, if you're going to open your mouth, what bothers you? If you're going to open them, your mouth, I'm going to kill you. Let us stay with the children. Yeah. And, and then that's it. Two o'clock by three o'clock in the morning, the selection was finished. So my mother took us again. Yeah. It was in winter time with snow. Yeah. And we started to walk. We came to the little bridge. My mother told us, see over there the people down there? Me, suddenly we hear shooting in the air. Oh no. The assessment. Hold her, hold her. My mother should stop. Yeah. So she put us on this, on this ground, on the snow, and they came, the two assessment came to us. Yeah. And they said to my mother, we're here in Gainesy. Where are you going? So she said, what does mean where I'm going? You see over there on the other side, my husband is waiting for me with the children. That's where I'm going. So they said to her, no, the guy in Zurich, you're going back. So she said to them, ich gehe zurück, nein. Gestern bin ich zurückgegangen. Yesterday I went back. Today I'm not going back. Or you're going to kill me with the children, or you let me through. Oh. So, so they said a conversation with the two, two assessment, and it looks like Hashem wanted us to survive. Yeah. They said, okay, heim is off again, pick up the kids, Start walking. If you're going to hear shooting in the air, don't look back. Just go further. And that's how we cross the bridge. And we'll start looking. And this was already that they sent my father away, the Russians. Oh, so, <clears throat> they sent the Russian, sent away my father. So what also, so we waited. Yeah. We went into the, into the train. Then they pushed us into the train, my mother with the seven kids. And we were on the train for months. Until we came to Siberia. So you ended up in Siberia? We ended up in Siberia. And in Siberia, there was, you know, winter time, very cold. There was no food. Seven children, there was no food. So they, my brothers went to look for, 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 for work, you know, to yeah. make. Uh -huh. But the Russians caught them. Okay. And they took uh, my two, uh, two big brothers Noyach with women to hard labor. We didn't know about him. Uh -huh. So my mother saw, saw another five children in the house. Yeah. She went to the area, how you say, the area. Yeah. And it's she started praying for them, crying. I don't have my food for my children. They're going to die. So, and they said, we gave, you know, we did. Yeah. They wanted to throw out. Okay. So she started screaming for no money. So they said, you know what, okay, tomorrow go home, tomorrow morning we're going to bring you food for the kids. Okay. So tomorrow in the morning came a big truck, what they did, 
they took away us from the seven, from two of the, my big brothers were, they took in hard labor, yeah. and from the five, they took four of us because my little brother he was just him, the baby, right. and the two was on the, on the truck. Uh-huh. My mother was staying down, you know, holding this baby, my little brother, screaming and crying, what I'm going, what are you doing to me? You're taking away my children. How am I going to survive with this little boy? So my third brother, Pesach, should rest in peace. He saw what's going on. Yeah. Then the truck started to, uh, to, to go, you know. Yeah. He jumped off the, the truck. Okay. And we didn't know nothing because they gave us some candy, some goodies, I don't know what. He jumped and he ran away behind himself. He hid, he hid himself between the barracks over there. Yeah. And then when he saw that the truck is moving, he came out and he made to us. He was waving goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And, my, and he, he was kissing my mother and my mother was little and we knew already, you know. So that's after, that's when, when they put us in an orphanage, you know. Yeah. And in the orphanage, what they did, they cut off, to know that we are Jewish, yeah. they cut off the hair. They cut off my hair, okay. and, and my little, uh, you know. And each Sunday, they used to take us to church. Yeah. And the minute when I came close to the, to the priest, yeah. I knew in my heart that I am Jewish and I ran away. Wow. And I caught, they caught me each time I got hit, but I didn't care. So then until the war was ended, yeah. when the war was ended, my mother found my two brothers, they came, they survived in the jail over there because they ate some, who knows, okay. you know. Hashem watched and over they, them, yeah. yeah. And my mother with the seven children, we came back after the war, we came back to Warsaw. Warsaw was destroyed, Yeah. and in this time already, there was the Sochnut. What's the Sochnut? The Sochnut. They found the Jews to send them okay. to yeah. to send them to to Israel. Okay. Okay. So what they said to us, to my mother, they saw my mother with seven children. They said, you know what? You have to give us the four little ones. The three little ones. It was me. Yeah, the three little. It was my my um, my Avram, um, Avram, Mash, and me, Miriam, and me. Okay. The three. We have to. We have to let them, to, my mother has to give them, because there is in Germany, was uh, an aliyah for kids. Okay. For kids, it was much easier to send away, you know, to Israel than the big ones. Yeah. So me and my little, my little brother and, and sister, yeah. we would send us to, uh, to uh, Germany in, in Stuttgart. Okay. And my mother with my other four, Two brothers, three brothers, and older sister. They were in, uh, in Austria. Okay. So in Austria came the how you call it the um, the um, the Sochnut. Yeah. And over there there was uh, you know shit of finding families, and my father we did not my father survived, and he was looking and then he found my mother. Wow. When he found my mother, he came over there where she was. Yeah. And me and the other my brother and sister were waiting to send us to Dali, to the to Israel in the Noah, you know, like yeah. in Kibbutz and all. So when my mother found my father, my father found my mother, he asked, he looks at him, he said, So where is the where are the other three? Because what you had for the seventh child, she told him I had a boy named now. 
Yeah. They are in Germany. Yeah. So when they were in Germany, is my father said, "Okay, there's no way that we're gonna go no place. I'm going to take out the kids from from Germany. I'm going to Germany." So okay, he came to Germany. They told me where they are. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Suddenly, I was in the, with these kids. You know, they're busy over there cleaning. It was before Pesach. I heard them calling, Rachel Dank, come down to the office, somebody's waiting for you. Yeah. So, um, I called... Did you, did you ever imagine who it was going to be? No. So I came down, and I said, what's the problem? I got scared, I thought maybe I did something wrong. Right. I was already 10 years, 11 years old. Um, yeah. You see over there sitting an old man. And, and uh, sitting a man, and he wants to talk to you. Yeah. I came over to him, and then I said... You know, what do you want? He said, he you didn't said, recognize him. He says to me, look at me. He said, well, what's the problem? I don't know. Yeah. He said, well, you don't recognize me? I said, no. He says to me, I'm your father. Wow. I said to him, what? I started laughing. My father is dead and I wanted to walk away. I have no father. My father is dead. Oh, you thought he died. So he pushed me, he held me back and then he said to, uh, to me, my name is Rachelaya. Yeah. So he said to me, Rachelaya, and um, and he, again he said, I'm your father, son. <laughs> and I know why I didn't believe him until he took out from his packet a picture uh, he that he said to me, who is in the picture? I said, who is this woman? He said to me, I said, this is my mother. Yeah. So if this is your mother, why should I be near your mother? <laughs> and he started crying very oh, badly. No. He was yeah. crying terrible. And when he was crying, yeah. I had my heart started, you know, to yeah. come. I said, must be something. Yeah. And then he said, okay, where is Masha with Tamremu? He told him. He picked us up and, and went on the train to go to, to, uh, to Austria. Austria. The whole way I didn't believe him. Really? That he's my father. You still didn't believe him. Until I came to my mother and she was already pregnant with my uh, eighth With sibling, the eighth one? With wow. the eighth one with Sima. And that's why uh, how we been in Italy. Then from there we went to Italy. Yeah. From Italy, the Sochnut, you know, yeah. we came to Israel. You came to Israel. Yeah. So that's the truest sense of the word ole, Olim, right? Olim, you, yes, yes. <laughs> you moved to Israel. So, yeah. yeah. The minute we came down, we came illegally, you know. Yeah. But when, when we came to the to uh, with the with the boat with the ship, the first thing what they did is they took away my big three brothers to the army. Ah, uh, they joined the army right away. And I, wow. my mother remained with them again with this motion and no food. My father couldn't... Yeah. By 13 years old, I had to go to work. You went to work at 13? By 13, I went to work in the, in the Rishonetzion, Katif, you know, oranges. Yeah. And then until I met, uh, you know... Uh, you met Zayda. Zayda, 82. And you got... In 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 fifty two fifty two we got married. How old were you when you got married? Not even eighteen. You weren't even eighteen. No. So you're celebrating what anniversary? We celebrated you? just a month ago, April first. We got we got married. It's sixty five years. Sixty five years. Sixty five years, and we achieved Kanore. We have sixty two uh, twenty two grandchildren, sixty two great grand ones with three on the way, and a trillion. Uh, you have the fifth but generation. But Lenina, her name is Anna L. Anna L. And we are the richest people in the world. And the special thing, 
Yeah. Is thanks my daughter Miriam and son Lomadi. Yeah. We lived in Natanya for, for 13 years, for 15, until they brought us now we're living in Yerushalayim. This is the, this is the biggest, the biggest nachas that we could uh, never dream. And thank Hashem for the nachas that we have from all our children. There is no country in the world if you would pay me, I would never, never live this country. This is my country, this is my home, until the last day of my life. So you're living in Yerushalayim? Yes. And you have the, family surrounding you? Yeah, and family, and the nachas that we have. And, um, and you never dreamed that this would happen? Yeah, and you know Abba Zayd is also visit the Holocaust survivor, he lived through five five concentration camps. Through Auschwitz? Yes, and through Auschwitz. And he's, uh, they killed his father two days before the liberation, and so his sister died so three days after, but he also went through a lot in his so life. So you and Zayda are the revenge against Hitler for, uh, uh, he wanted yeah. to wipe out the Yiddin? And that's what Jews? God wanted, we should survive and see this nachas in the world. So Baba, you, yes. you've gone through a lot of life experiences. Yes, mommy. What are some life lessons that you could tell people, young people now? What's something yes. that you could teach them? One thing to teach what I can tell you, never, ever give it up you believe that Hashem created us. If we survived Hitler, there is no nation in the world, never, ever, going to do this again. Never again. And they should never forget that they are Jews, and that's what we, that's what Hashem keep uh, always on our side. It's happened, but it's never going to happen again. We are our, land, our country, Israel, the most beautiful country in the world. Be proud to be a Jew, and we should always, all, all of us, every Jew should come to Israel and live forever and ever over here. But what does it mean to you to yeah. have a great-grandson in the Israeli yeah. army now? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> this was the biggest nachas. When, uh, when we were invited from our grandson, great-grandson, Sonny, to his, to his uh, Tekes, yeah. Mm -hmm. We, I think, me and Zayda were the only one to be great grandparents to see Kanohoga this Nachas. And soon, and soon, Metzishem, we're going to see another. By me, the, the, my grandchildren are billions, my great uh, are millions, my great grandmother are billions, and the trillion. I am richer than Bill Gates anytime. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me that I am not richer than Bill Gates. Yeah, he, he is losing the, this and I'm gaining the Nachas from all of your family. From all of us, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking right now at the wall for your 65th wedding anniversary. Oh, this is the most beautiful, we beautiful picture we got. A beautiful family tree with all the pictures of all your family. This is the biggest, yes. Beautiful. So the most we'll never get. So, Baba. If you could think of one place in Israel yeah. that you could call your happy place, your Israel happy place. Yerushalayim. Why is Yerushalayim your happy place? Because I never dreamed, mommy. I never dreamed in my life that I'm going to be so to live in Yerushalayim. Thank God to my, to my children. So I want to let you know just from a personal yeah. standpoint, yeah. living down the block from you, Baba, 
This was the biggest treasure that my children, my grandchildren are coming here to live. I never thought that we would move to Israel. I'm never. the happiest person that we did. And to That's get to live. The, the best thing. Down the block and visit you Shabbat with the kids and for them to grow up. Tavallah, I always said, I'm 83 years old now. Yeah. I always said, and I'm saying to you now and to the whole people in the world. You Jews better come to Israel to live now. Because it's going to come a day. Yeah. That all the Jews going to be ever have to come to live to come to Israel, and it's not going to be enough for them for us, for the people. So the best thing is to come here when it's still Vizukman, when they have still room, when still when the, when the plane tickets are still affordable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, Baba. Well, I'm so happy that I got to sit down with you. Thank you so much. And you should just have continued help. See, why shouldn't I live through Hitler to get a granddaughter like you are? I thank you very much, Tovala. I love you. And thank back. you for bringing me the first three billions, beautiful grand grandchildren. But to see a trillion, this is unbelievable that Buben Zayde lived to see. A tremendous miracle. This is only a miracle. Okay, Baba. Yeah. So you should just be healthy and happy and enjoy all the nachos. Thank you. And I wish every Jew all the best. See you in Israel. We'll see you in Israel. So we heard from Baba. And now we're going to hear from Zaida, from Avram Kurtzfeld, who survived also the Holocaust, and he's going to tell us about his story. What do you think is the most important thing to tell all the people listening? I've been in Poland first I've been in ghetto. You were in the ghetto in Poland? Dombrowa Gudnicza. Okay. Then from the ghetto, I went to concentration camp. I've been in four concentration camps. Sakraheim, Lechamekos, Rosen, Buchenwald. Wow. I got liberated in Buchenwald. Yeah. I've been with my father together. Yeah. He got killed. Uh, right before the liberation. Three days before the liberation. Yeah. Three days before the liberation. And I... How old were you, How old were you when you were liberated? Thirteen and a half. You're very young. Uh, and one sister died. She was eighteen years old. Yeah. In Bergen-Belsen, three days after the liberation. What was her name? Shevare. And you named your daughter Shevi. Right. She's named after my your sister. Your sister. Mm-hmm. After my sister. Uh, from, from Buchenwald came names from Bergen-Belsen. Okay. From women. And I went to to look up if there's any name from, from my family. Yeah. So it was my mother's name there. She was registered at this... Uh, 20 years younger. Uh-huh. And just my mother. And uh, who who survived over there was my mother and my sister. From uh, then, (laughs) I went to Bergen-Belsen from Humboldt with with another three guys. Yeah. I was searching for her over there for three days. Till I found the in Bergen-Belsen. Uh, 
from Bergen-Belsen, after a month, went back to Buchenwald. We went to Buchenwald back. And uh, my mother was asking constantly, where is my father? So I told her he's in Buchenwald. Till we came close to Buchenwald. Yeah. I told her the deceased mother was a whole tragedy about it. But anyway, from Buchenwald, we went to Switzerland. We I've been in Switzerland almost one year. One year. After from Switzerland, I came to Israel. Yeah. Came to Israel, it was in 1940, June 1946. I was already in Israel. Wow, before the state was created. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've been in the army. You were a true chayal. I've been in the army with the Golani, with the Shemesre. In Golani. After I finished the army. And so why is it important for everyone to come live in Israel? Why is it important? This is our home. There's nothing, there's no other home. Israel, Israel is ours. It's ours forever. Right. So you live in Yerushalayim? With your family all around you? We live in Yerushalayim. This is thanks to our daughter and our son-in-law. Yeah. This is living in Yerushalayim. If you could tell anybody now listening, what is a life lesson that you would want to teach them? What do you think is an important thing that you think everyone should know? I think it's the most important thing to do in life. Yeah. To be happy. To be happy. To be happy with the, with everything, with as much you can. To be happy. This is, this is a very healthy part of life. Okay. So Zaida, thank you for sitting down with me and telling everybody all about your story. And you should just continue to have health and happiness, and just be surrounded by oh your family my. that loves you. And uh, on a personal level, just like I told Baba, I'm happy that I get to live in. Yerushalayim, so close to you, so my kids could grow up with you, and uh, we're lucky to have you in our lives. Thank you, Mamula. We love you. Love you, too. Thank you, Yoni. Back to you. Thank you, Tova, and again, thank you to Bubba and Zaida Kurtzfeld, a phenomenal and moving story. If you came in during the middle of the interview and missed it, Tova will post it on her page. That's tovainisrael.com. Also, Tova in Israel on Facebook. She'll have it up there probably, let's see, right now. I bet you it's up already. So Tova and Israel on Facebook, check it out. And make sure you follow her in general, especially over this time. She had some great um, pictures and videos. One of her pictures actually went pretty viral around the uh, Israel media and humans of Judaism. I saw picked it up of, uh, of a soldier, and I think it ended up being uh, her, excuse me, his niece. Uh, great picture. But Tova and Israel... Check it out on Facebook. Again, this time of year, she has some great pictures with Yom, Yom Atzmut just in the past. Yom Yerushalayim coming up. She is going to be 
I'm sure, all over the place in Israel over that time. So you want to make sure to follow her. More coming up on Bite Size, the Maccabees with Brave right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. You can be amazing, you can turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast or be the backlash of somebody's lack of love. Start speaking up Nothing's gonna hurt you The way that words do And they settle neath your skin Get on the inside No sunlight Sometimes a shadow wins But I wonder what would happen if you Say what you wanna say And let the words
אשר ברא ששון ושמחה חתן וחלה גילה רינה ניצה וחדמה אהבה ואחווה ושלום Simcha, off of, uh, that's a Keep Alive selection, as you are tuned into Bite Size here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here we are, 10.15 a.m., good morning, nice little Wednesday, the weather is uh, still somehow not hot, we're May 10th, oh, by the way, May 10th, I can't believe I didn't do this in my opening because I really meant to, May 10th, happy birthday to my good friend, Michael Mitzner, uh, always remember, May 10th, he's... What does that make him? Like 10 months younger than me. But a little shout out to you, Michael. Happy, happy birthday. So yeah, can you feel the simcha that was keep alive? Now we have Joanna Shepson joining the program. She interviewed Simone Katz, the chief marketing officer, CMO, for all of you that need acronyms, excuse me, of Jerusalem University. So here's Joanna with Simone right here on Bite Size on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks, Yoni. So today I went out for the day to the old city. I was walking around and, and I uh, actually was on a, a special tour of the new um, attractions in the old city. And as I entered the square, I bumped into an old friend, Simone Katz, who's the chief marketing officer at Jerusalem U. And within two minutes, she was able to tell me about some fantastic work Jerusalem U is doing, especially for the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. And I said to her, we've got to meet, we've got to talk, we've got to sit down and do an interview. So here I am. I'm sitting with Simone. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Great to see you. So tell us a little bit about Jerusalem U and what you do, and then we'll talk about the project. Sure. So Jerusalem U, um, we're filmmakers with an educational focus. Uh, We really try to make films that give people an emotional 
outlook and an, an educational viewpoint of Israel and of Judaism. Our market is mostly the American market. Um, you might know us by some of our famous films, Beneath the Helmet and McConan. Uh, and we work on short, short courses as well um, and short films. Fantastic. And then what do you have in the plans that you're working on now for uh, Yom Yerushalayim and the 50th year? Uh, we're working on an amazing project right now. Uh, we put together something called the Countdown to the Six-Day War. Uh, it's going to be 12 short videos released over the course of five weeks. The first one's launching on May 17th. You can sign up at our website, sixdaywarproject.org, and we'll send you emails every time we release a video. The cool thing about these videos is that we're in partnership with different Jewish organizations, including the Jerusalem Post the Jewish Council for Public Affairs, the Israel Action Network, and the Center for Israel Education. We're also working together closely with the Federations of North America. What we're doing with each video is that it will lead with a Jerusalem Post headline from 1967. We're going to take you back to what it was like to wake up in the morning and see the paper and to really feel what was felt by people around the world when they opened the paper and saw that Israel was in danger of um, annihilation. Amazing. So when, you, when you're working together with the Jerusalem Post, does it mean these videos will also appear on the Jerusalem Post website? Yes, they're going to be included on the front page of the Jerusalem Post on every day of their launch. They'll also be included in the Jerusalem Post email. Great. And what kind of videos should we expect? Are these clips using old footage? Is it animated shorts? What are they going to be like? They're going to be leading with the headlines of the Jerusalem Post's um, paper for that day. They're going to include animated maps, voiceover, and archival footage directly from, um, from the 1967 time period. That's great. And I'm sure, I know I just went on a tour where I spoke to someone who had, was, telling, who was telling their story from that day in 1967. So, you know, when you're, you put yourselves in their footsteps, you get to feel the whole experience in a different way. Um, tell me another, let me ask you a different question. What is it like to have an office in the old city and to work in the old city every day? It's amazing. I would tell you that hands down, my commute beats everyone else that I know. Um, walking into the old city, Shartzion, every morning and every afternoon, hearing the sounds of little Jewish children playing in the Rova, um, tourists, pilgrims, busloads of people coming in every day. Mondays are especially fun. Um, Bar Mitzvah day is Monday and Thursday. There are people with trumpets and balloons, a chuppah, just celebrations all day long. You can't beat it. The truth is I now follow Simone on Instagram because I get to see what she sees every day. Um, so now back to Jerusalem U. How long has Jerusalem U been around? Uh, we've been around since 2009. Uh, we keep growing every year. Fantastic. And what's ahead? What can we look forward to in the future? Are you already working on some new films? Yeah, we have a, a new film launching this fall. Look out for it. It's called When the Smoke Clears. Um, it's going to be a very interesting film about the resilience of our Israeli soldiers and what they go through both during and after their service. Look out for it in your communities and at Jewish film festivals. And any other movies that you're going to be working on? Yes. Next year, we're going to be uh, launching a film that has yet to be named. Um, that's about the, Israel's contribution to the global water crisis. It's still in production, but we're very excited to be launching it for the 70th anniversary of the state.
I figured if you're doing something for 67, you must be doing something for the best for the uh, 70th birthday, which will also be a big thing. So for everyone who's listening, if you want to co- log on to sixdaywarproject.org um, or to Jerusalem U's Facebook page, you'll be able to follow every day as they release a new video starting on May 17th. Um, you know, keep an eye out. What's the first day that the war actually began? June June 5th. June 5th would be the 50th, the, the anniversary of the first day of the war. So, you know, I would say go on and watch every video every day. But if you're looking for one specific day, start on June 5th and actually follow as if the war, God forbid, were happening again. But just follow it, you know, to hear what, what happened in that time. So thank you so much for sitting with us. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to also put up a blog post on funinjerusalem.com with the promotion video for this special project, the Countdown to the Six-Day War Project. Fifty years ago today, a war was brewing in the Middle East. It only lasted six days, but it literally changed the map of Israel and its surrounding neighbors. It set in motion a public debate about the Arab-Israeli conflict that is still with us today. Who started the war and why? Why did it end so quickly? How did Israel's victory affect both Israel's ability to defend itself and also the Palestinians' desire for a state of their own? Did the dramatic events of June 1967 result in 50 years of occupation or in 50 years of a historic reunification of a people to its ancient homeland? And why do these issues remain stymied today after countless attempts to attain peace and coexistence? We invite you on a journey to discover the answers to these questions and many more. Beginning May 17th and continuing for five weeks, we will travel back in time to the spring of 1967. In a series of short three-minute films, we will provide you with the opportunity to experience the events of 1967 as they unfolded exactly 50 years ago. For the first three weeks, we will release one short film a week, and beginning June 4th, the day before the war's anniversary, one film a day. The countdown to the Six-Day War Project will offer a window to the events that culminated in the historic war of 1967, events that shaped the lives of so many even today. We invite you to follow our link and sign up for free for the full series. More details can be found at www.sixdaywarproject.org. All right, now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, Simone Katz. That's she is the chief marketing officer of Jerusalem U. So, uh, Simone, thank you, and thank you, Joanna. If you have any questions regarding traveling to Israel, especially now, I know I mentioned it with Tova, but here, Joanna could really help you with all the tourism involved in Jerusalem and really in Israel. But she runs funinjerusalem.com. You could contact her, Joanna, at funinjerusalem.com. If you're heading over for Yom Yerushalayim, there's still plenty of time. Email her. She could help you out with where you need uh, where you need to be in general for great programming, but also if you need to, if you you're coming with your family and you want to do something, something fun, something exotic, something unique, contact her. I'm, I'm telling you, whether it's Yom Yerushalayim, whether it's in the summer, Shavuos, whatever it is, contact her. You won't regret it. Again, Joanna at funinjerusalem.com, or just go to funinjerusalem.com and you could check her out. More coming up on Bite Size. Here's the Maccabees with Home, A little timely selection right here on Bite Size on the Nachum Single Network. Been a lot of places I've been all around the world Seen a lot of faces Never know where I was On the horizon Ooh, 
soul be rising back home No, we won't forget where we came from The city won't change us We beat to the same drum No, we won't forget where we came from The city won't change us We beat to the same drum Don't forget where you belong
Be a hallelujah, be a 
That Shabbos feeling as uh, we're getting closer to sh- are we even getting closer to Shabbos? It's Wednesday morning. I think the latest you could even say of Dulla from the week before is Tuesday night. So we're pretty much as far from Shabbos both ways as possible. But you gotta have that Shabbos feeling, right? That's no, a great song. Great, great work by six thirteen. All right, it's nearly time to wrap up the show. But as you know, before we wrap up, we usually, we usually, we usually play America's favorite segment for the door. But this week, I went on that little social media, not rants, just social media. Uh, I wanted to, you know, point that out, the whole Chicken Nuggets, not fiasco, just Chicken Nuggets really uh, tweet from both Wendy's and Carter Wilkerson. I asked Jamie and I asked Miriam, I said, listen, I don't want to do forward to the door this week because I think the social media thing is, is kind of a fun and cool thing to talk about. And having four different, you know, tweets or Facebook posts or Instagram posts, whatever they are, uh, would be too much to end the show. But I asked each of them what their favorite social media 
I want to say like burn or or uh, just just funny posts. I got them laughing a lot, and they shared it, and they whatever sent it to all their friends. They they thought it was that cool or that funny. And uh, Jamie said, "Okay, but does that mean I have to come on air?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "All right, I'm out." All right. So one down. Jamie's out. She will not be joining this week. But we do have joining us this week is the official nutritionist of the Nachum Seal Network, Miriam L. Wallet. Good morning. How are you? Good. I, I did I tell you what I got for uh, when I when I left the subway two days ago? You had two My half craving, gallons of ice cream. Were they ha- are they half gallons? Those regular tubs are half gallons. Those of are ice? half gallons of so ice cream. So as the nutritionist of the Nachum Siegel Network, would you recommend me doing that again? I I chocolate chip cookie dough, by the way. I wouldn't recommend it, but you're probably the only person at this network currently who could pull that off. Really? Yes. You don't. Think I didn't say well. I just said pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> pull it off. Yeah, touche. All right. There you go. Well, thank you. Sorry, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, I you are you are huge on social media. I mean, why? Thank you. you I think you're you're always on. I think you said a when you wake up in the morning, Modani's Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, a little. Is it Twitter? Yeah. Then, like, do you have a specific routine? Sad, but it's always Modani first, right? And then Twitter or Facebook or just depending it's what you're usually Twitter first because I get most of my news from my Twitter feed. So what I've noticed though, when when I wake up and that's you know at seven a.m. Right, when Twitter's normal people slow in the morning because you know every most of my fo- people I follow are are Central Time Zone because I'm from Houston or Eastern Time Zone, so like. No one's really awake. There's not much. You're really catching up from when you went to bed. Right. No, not me, because most of my Twitter feed is filled with Israel. Ah, okay. Yes. So that makes sense for you. Correct. Right. So, okay. And then Facebook, I guess, afterwards. Yeah, Facebook, I fill in afterwards. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not a big Instagrammer. Is that a... Instagrammer, I would guess, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big Instagrammer. I'm certainly not a Snapchatter. Ooh, I'm a big Snapchatter. I would say my Snap game is on fleek. I don't even know if any of that's English, except for the word game. <laughs> Jamie's snickering over there. I'm sure Jamie is, but we wouldn't know because she won't come on the air. Um, but I I love Twitter. I like being funny in 140 characters. There's or less. A, or less. It's a challenge then to be able to tweak your message so that you fit in there. It really is. Uh, trust it me, I know. It also makes you like, smarter, less less wordy. Like It really helps with it your It tightens writing. your message, yeah. correct. It tightens your message. It makes it pretty... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally into it. I possibly am too into it as nope. i no, know you saying. made i know you, it was a it was a funny thing last was it a whole year ago no it couldn't have been a whole year ago when i was named to this list of 25 right. most influential jewish yeah, tweeters congrats. oh Thank yeah you. so so of course nachem's response was oh so you really are on social media too much i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i was number 24 i think at least not number 25 but um right, well, yeah all right so i invited you here a because thank you this is fun but b Right, you're the social media phenom of the Nachum Seal Network. Well, you, okay, I think that's overstating it. So, what I thought is, right, I wanted to do our favorite, whatever it is, Burns or whatever, and I mm-hmm. we just won because we can't do four. We don't have enough time, um, and and obviously it's going to tend, it's going to uh, lend itself, excuse me, to more like rec- recency bias will come in just because you're more likely to remember something from the last month than... Right, so this is not something current events related. It doesn't have to be. Right, well, no, okay. You're yeah. saying yours isn't. I'm saying that I don't think if we're limiting limiting, limiting it, it, wow, that was rough, to, to one. one, that we should include any current events. Okay. Because there's plenty of stuff... I think on. mine's from a year ago, so... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mine is actually from last week. Okay, yeah, go. I'm sure you know which one it is. Well, I want to hear. It's the one from Fenway. On Thursday of last week, oh. this poor gentleman, <laughs> this poor gentleman 
at a Red Sox game proposed to his girlfriend. Has me rethinking some future ideas. That's right. <laughs> On the Jumbotron. And yet, for some reason or other, he didn't make sure before he pulled that shtick that she would say yes. And so they had, obviously, he, he set this up beforehand and they panned in on on the, with the camera on them on the jumbotron he proposed and she said no so was your first feeling did you laugh or was it like sadness oh no i was like oh man now i had uh, i will tell you follow up a couple of things so then i saw this on twitter i was like holy cow and somebody tweeted out basically the following um this guy just proposed to his girlfriend on the jumbotron and she said no and now we are all involved in the same awkward moment Mm -hmm. and i saw that and i burst out in laughter because (laughs) i can only imagine that all of a sudden you're sitting there with 20 30,000 total strangers and you're looking at each other and everyone's physically uncomfortable like cringing right so over a decade ago i mean a solid maybe probably 15 years ago i was watching the today show which of course I don't think I've done in fifteen years. Right. And a guy proposed was in the um audience. Was in the audience on the street, you know, in that yeah, whole yeah. grouping outside with a poster of so and so will you marry me? And they patched her through on the overhead speaker and yeah, she said no on national television. Not only did she say no, he proposed and she's like, Whatever, let's pretend his name is Adam. Adam, can you just can you just come home so we can talk about this later? And she and they're and all of a sudden you see like Al Roker and Matt Lauer and they're all like frozen and they're all looking at each other funny like oh my gosh what do we do now? But it, you know it seems that they had only been dating six weeks right. and she said and the girlfriend says but Adam we've only been dating six weeks which is the right thing to say <laughs> correct but anyway so those two follow up stories are are. Don't you think if if and I've never been in this situation if if you're you're contemplating engagement both people should be on the same page. Okay, so this is what I'm going to tell you is that after Stephen Wallach and I got engaged, right. I said to Stephen, "How'd you know I was going to say yes?" And Stephen at that time was a third year law student, and he said to me, and I love this line because I remember it word for word. Every good lawyer knows the answer to their question before they ask it, nice. and That's so a great he, line. <laughs> right, it is a great great line, and I quote it often in the right context of course this is obviously the right context anyway so bottom line is is that they clearly these those two gentlemen either overstepped where they thought they were or uh are not attorneys right that's really where that wow ah, that was a good one yeah so that right now is my favorite social media thing there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened i'm not so into the oh catching a dad dancing funny while the right you know, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. not into those there are a lot of pet ones that are some of them are funny there was actually a really nice dog um uh related tweet that was going on it was a little video of a of a dog who hadn't seen his owner in a long time and evidently the owner i guess was sick oh, and lost, yeah you saw well, it and lost a tremendous amount of weight all those well those one oh, okay oh, that yeah okay. Uh, lost a tremendous amount of weight saying... and just by the owner's scent the the dog like couldn't figure out yeah, what that was, was going recently. on. The, yeah. I mean, there's been one like the the soldier returning. Any of those oh. soldiers return? I mean, they just did you see the one I posted tissues. last week? Yes, oh, yes, that yes. was a horror. The catcher, the, the catcher, yes, yeah. and the catcher when the I dad mean, is the catcher. Like he's a right. He's a um. Here, right? He is <laughs> exactly. He's a member of the armed forces returning from whatever number tour of duty. Right. All those was. videos went to me. So exactly, like, and the and his son and his daughter were throwing out opening pitches at I guess it's at a minor league game. Yeah. 
and they didn't realize that their dad was the catcher. And after they both threw out their pitches, he approached the mound. He took off his mask. And then the boy, when he yells, Daddy. Yeah, like, and you just, just like, that's wow. it. That's it. You're a goner. And I'm showing it to two of my kids and one of their friends. And the friend is bawling. And I've seen it 17 times. Yeah. And I'm bawling again. And, of course, my daughter, who I'm not always sure has tear ducts, looks at, <laughs> looks at me and goes, yes, that's sad. I'm like, oh, just, yes, that's sad. Yes, that's she sad. She admits it's sad, but yeah, she can't she's, um. Yeah. Anyway, so there's been a lot of stuff on social media, yeah. but that so one this, about Fenway is my. So that Fenway story actually has me thinking of a different one, not my favorite, but uh, this past year, the Cincinnati, when the Chicago Cubs came to town, they just won the World Series the year before they came to town. So I mean, Chicago in general, the Cubs, they tra- fans travel well. So right, you go to any ballpark, like you know, the Cubs come to Houston. There's ten thousand fans or Cubs okay. fans there. I mean, it's it's crazy. So uh, Cubs went into Cincinnati. And the Cincinnati, uh, I guess, video board operator was showing all the Cubs. And usually you show your home fans. It was showing all the Cubs fans and then would would write on the bottom like, oh, this guy uh, just bought this shirt like yesterday or doesn't even know who this player is. Right. Making fun of all these bandwagon Cubs fans. So that was very funny. I did a poor job explaining it. And then B, (laughs) uh, for some reason, oh, I said the word snickering. I think it just came out a few days ago where someone posted on Facebook a picture of, I think it's Aldo's in Israel. Yeah. And they are uh Was selling... it one of my kids? <laughs> no, I don't oh. think so. And uh you know, so all their flavors they put the Hebrew and the English. Mm-hmm. So the Hebrew says Snickers. Yeah. And in English they spell it sneakers. Oh, that's funny. Sneakers flavored ice cream. Very funny. Anyway, not neither of those are mine. My favorite uh <laughs> tweet I only saw it literally two days ago, which is again this this whole subject topic lends itself to a little recency bias. It's a Facebook post by the Flat Earth Society, which the whole, you know, Flat uh, Earth is round and flat, whatever. I think yes. it's hilarious. It's round, right? Yes. Okay, Last good. time I checked. Right. We agree. Otherwise, so, all those globes I bought are fake. Exactly. So they, they, they write the following on their Facebook page. The Flat Earth Society has members all around the globe. Funny. So physicsastronomy.com, which uh, I don't know what they are. Those whatever. people can't have they a wrote, sense of humor. They wrote a, a comment on the bottom. Say that again, but slowly. <laughs> <laughs> the Flat Earth Society, again, so for those of you that missed it, they wrote the Flat Earth Society, so they clearly believe in the Flat Earth right. um, theory, has members all around the globe. Exactly. Great shtick. I, I mean, that was good. That was awesome. I was just, I that died, and I actually sent it to a lot of people. By who, the way, if you want to, if for those of you who are on Instagram who want to follow a great account, there's a... Nachum Siegel Network? That too, but there's a great account called Sem70. Where they post unbelievable foods from Israel, dishes from Israel that girls who are in seminary are getting fat on. And they call it the Sem 70. I love Sem Girl Shtick. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's unbelievable. And each post is something funnier and like some twist on the name, a lot of Hamilton references. Ooh, not familiar with that. Oh, yeah, yet. I know. That's oh, right. Um, but a lot of stuff, just super funny stuff. And of course, you get to see all these incredible dishes in Israel that is. Oh, a lot of yum. Yes, a lot a of yum. and a win. A lot of yum, a lot of fun. All right. I'll yeah. have to do it. Well, thank you, Miriam, for joining us. No, I, thank I, you. I would continue this because it's a really fun topic to discuss. I like talking Avrami's about social media. Lost soon, so. Yeah, Avrami, Avrami's going to make that face. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. uh, but thank, thank you. you for inviting me yeah, again. No problem. Jamie will join us, I'm sure, at some I point. I thought we again. were going to do top four things we love about Los Angeles. Uh, we have a show next week, so we'll see. Amazing. You'll thank have to you. tell us after your exactly. trip. Good luck. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So uh, that's going to do it for us here on Bites of the Nachum Siegel Network. I have to thank you, the listeners, for spending the last two hours here with me on the Nachum Siegel Network as we were just talking about social media. Here we go on Facebook, Nachum Siegel Network, on Twitter, at Nachum Siegel Net, on Instagram, Nachum Siegel Network. If you haven't yet downloaded the NSN app, please go ahead and do so. Go to the Google Play Store, the App Store, 
type in Nachum Segal Network, download us, and you can get us all of our content while on the run. Up next, Wednesday live lunch with Avrami Finkelstein. He's going to kick me off in shortly, so keep it right here on the Nachum Segal Network. But for now, my name is Yoni Pollock, wishing you all a good day and reminding you that the bite size is the right size. <laughs>